Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Absurdity, an exploration of all things absurd in culture, religion, and society. And I am here joined by my wonderful, beautiful, handsome, devilishly handsome, some might say, reflection. I'm just kidding. Tony Anoboli is my co-host, and he's here today. So, Tony, thank you for being here. I, this just further goes on to prove that I'm just a secondary recording you do of yourself. Yeah, especially how long you took to talk. It really sounds like I took a second to like change the intonation of my voice. So or, or, that well, the other thing is that you just take like a separate microphone and you go in a separate place in the room, and then just like record yourself, like as you are playing in your headphones. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what you do. I'm not you know revealing how they make the hot dog or anything, but like what? if you were to do it, potentially that's what would it would be. And that's why I'm being very careful to only talk when you're not talking. So as to continue playing into the idea that I am recording both of us. No, and that's exactly why aliens float because, <laughs> oh, shoot, wrong part, wrong part, wrong no, part. Ah, darn it. Okay, I'll, hold on. I'll edit that out. Edit that out. Um, no, I <laughs> couldn't resist. So we are we are so close to episode 100 it's scary, honestly. Can you believe it? That's insane it's to me. It's sca it scares me a little bit. We have only missed. It's it scares me. We're in J June slash July, whenever this posts of two thousand nineteen. This is going to post. I think, someone in August. someone tweeted out like, "Oh, June. Oh, yeah, well, August. Even even better. Uh, someone posted out like, "Oh man, June lasted for about fifteen twenty minutes," and I was like, "Yeah, just about like." It, it it felt like it was just like I blinked and June was over. I'm like, how did yep. that happen? Yeah, I, I don't understand how June went by. So this whole summer is just flying by because I'm constantly traveling. Like I've been on the yeah. road for so long. So we were just in Wisconsin for 10 days. This is our first episode back from Wisconsin. Um, and then I go out to South Carolina. I go up to Nashville. Um, I like I'm going all over the place here. 
doing and it's all work trips like all of its work trips but it's just there's so much to do yeah there and i miss my dog and i'm glad that i get to spend the time that i do with her but i'm pretty sure she's upset with me for constantly leaving um honestly like the same yeah i borderline travel too much to own a dog like i could justify very easily not owning a dog currently with how much i travel but i think i'm just i'm just like i could justify it i'm not saying that i shouldn't have a dog I'm saying I could justify it, but no, I love my dog. I would never get rid of her unless I truly believe that I could not take proper care of her and so she would be better with someone else. So, no, Sugar is staying here because I love her to death and because she is happy with me and the world is a great place. I, we're not talking about you, like, doing recreational pot. Like, that's kind of feel like I could justify, you know, do, it's it's a dog, like... Yeah, well, yeah but no, that's could why justify I... having a dog. No, I'm saying I could justify not having a dog. No, I know, but I'm saying like anyone could justify not having a dog. Uh, <laughs> like well, it's another yeah. thing that you have to take care of. Like, yeah. I mean, they're great. Like, I love dogs, but it's like do- dogs are a great first like training step for kids. Like if you want kids, like first learn how to take care of a dog that's your like small, you know, the bunny slope. And then kids are this giant double black diamond, but at least figure out how to get like the skis on. And like, I need to, there's a thing that needs me to live back at the house. And that's kind of what having, I have younger siblings. So that's, that's having like younger siblings is step two. That's to say, that's like the blue, I'd say green circle. Fair. Okay. I'll give you that. Uh, I I do want to I do want you to know that while you were doing there there's been this fly in my apartment and I can't get it because it's a fly and it's very quick but sugar keeps seeing it everywhere and then just randomly biting the air because it's bothering her and so she tries to snap at it and then she jumps at it and she's currently like tracking this fly around my room right now like a hunting dog it's really funny actually um I love this dog but I agree. I do think I do think dogs are like training wheels. I think it's I think it's the you know the the green or blue trail before a dog before a kid. Even though like they're vastly different, but it's just the idea that you're yeah. caring for another human life. You're being or another life. You're being responsible um, for right, another yeah. life and another yeah, being. To, yeah, you have to budget for it. That kind of like you have to. Con- it's make, a start. Yeah, yeah. But like babies, I, um, are, it's cr- like it's crazy amount of how hard they are. Like they are they're they're like Olympic style taking care of another human being um, because they're basically trying to kill themselves. Like for the first four months, like they won't eat. They can't sleep. They can't change themselves. Like they're act like their necks. You know, you have to like hold them carefully. You have to make sure they're, you know, on their backs and then also on their tummies and like, and you can't put them to sleep on. It's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I think, I think there are people with kids that wonder like how people with dogs don't train their dogs or take care of their dogs well at all. Cause they're like, I'm taking care of a kid. You can't just take care of a dog. Like really? Like the other night I'm walking, I'm walking sugar. It's like 11 o'clock at night. Cause I had gotten home late and uh, I walk by this other section of my, my apartment building where there are other apartments. Right. And um, there's, and I see my dog stop and look up the stairs and I hear the shaking, like I hear the sound of another, of like tags rattling on another collar. I'm like, oh, cool. A family is going to take their dog out. Like Sugar will meet another dog. I look up and I quick, I very, very quickly realize that the dog doesn't have any people behind it as it's charging down the stairs. 
and it's a bigger, slightly more aggressive dog than my dog is. And I realized I can't get out of this situation. I don't have a choice here. I have to face this at 11 o'clock at night. This dog comes barreling towards Sugar immediately and just tries, it just starts like basically attacking her, like not even trying to sniff really, just jumping right at her. She barks back and she growls back. And I grab, I pull Sugar's leash away to my right side. I grab this dog and catch it by its collar and pull it away. It's literally like on its hind legs. Like it's trying to get her so, so much. Its front legs are, are off the ground while I'm holding its collar. I'm not pulling up at all. Like, it's just really trying to push off its back legs to get to sugar. And what felt like an eternity later, it was probably only a few seconds, but what felt like an eternity later, the uh, the owners finally come barreling down the stairs looking for their dog. And I'm like, found your dog. <laughs> As I'm, like, bent over holding, separating these yeah. two dogs. And they're like, we're so, so sorry. Uh, the dog just got out. And I'm like, it's fine. Just, you know, don't let it happen again. Please. And, yeah. and I, I just wasn't in no mood to really get into it with them. Um, but it did happen in, in my last apartment complex, too, where a guy let, just completely let go of his leash because his dog saw mine. And I actually did report it to the complex because, A, it was a the, – the only – I didn't know who the guy was at all. And it was a dark dog, but I, which when it happened at night, man, I couldn't see. I, I had a trouble actually getting a hold of the dog because I couldn't see where its collar was or where it was. We were in the shadow. And so I, it was a, you were in the upside down. Yeah, yeah. We were literally in a shadow of like a car from the streetlight. So I couldn't see this black dog. Like it was just totally, it was totally blended in, but it was on the that's list where, of band That's dogs. where we, we need to introduce the, the stranger things theme right there when yeah. I say that. So that's for our producer, yeah. which would be you. It, it's me. It is me. You, you have it that right. Um, well, I had to, yeah, I, I ended a, up reporting Doberman or something. What? Was it like a Doberman or a, it was a pit bull? Like I think a pit bull oh, mix. Pit bull. But here's the thing, just so we're clear: the only reason I reported this to my um, to my apartment complex is not because it was a banned dog. I don't think there are I don't think there are dangerous breeds. I think there are bad dog owners. And in this yeah. case, I, I saw well, a guy who wasn't like I don't. Chihuahuas th- are a bad dog breed. Okay, fair. I've n- um, I've not I yet could... met a Chihuahua that hasn't attacked me. Yeah, or Even other if they're well trained. Yeah. Or their own owner. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there are bad dog breeds. I just realized, like, the only way I could get my complex to do anything is if it, like, I realized it was a banned breed in my apartment complex. And I realized, like, oh, yeah, I, like, I don't want this to happen to another dog. Because this, this dog that got out. Or, yeah, or she, child. Yeah. Or, yeah. The other dog that went to attack Sugar the other night, that was kind of low-key. Like, it didn't actually feel like it was really, vi- I feel like it was just way too hyper and way too excited. And because uh, and was just barking and, and just sh- it caught sugar off guard. I think that's really what was happening. It didn't feel to me like a normal dog attack, whereas this other one did. And so I reported it because it was like, no, this 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 can't be the case. But um, yeah, th- like that's so sugar's the best. I love my dog. She's totally fine. She's like just laying in her dog bed looking at me right now because she knows I'm talking about her. And uh, she's I love her to death. She's the best. All, that All right. Say. Well, that was our episode, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. This has been uh, Sugar absurdity. Love. Ten minutes in. All right. So let's wait. Let's, uh, wait. Is this the Sugar Love podcast? Oh, this... I totally had that wrong. I so sorry. <laughs> I thought this was absurdity. Yeah, this is Sugar Love. So well, we have another forty-five minutes we... of talking about. 
Yeah, sugar. of sugar. So she had no. Um, so I want to talk about something today that um, is a pet peeve of mine in Christianity and ministry because why not, right? It's my podcast. I can talk about what I want to talk about. So if you think, oh, we just talked 10 minutes about nothing. So the the thing that bothers me, and this was actually brought up to me by a friend of mine on Twitter the other day in DMs, but is this idea that Christianity is really obsessed with protecting ourselves from sin. So much so that we put barriers or things in place um, to basically sin-proof our lives. And now listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't be, you know, watchful or, you know, guard it. You know, we shouldn't guard ourselves from sin or bad decisions, things like that, right? But um, we are so scared of it that we are actually and actively taking away joy from people's lives in order to keep them from sin. And, yeah, okay. And, and, so and, it's and, not a personal choice, but it's like I'm 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 gonna it's kinda like what you're talking about with uh the avoid the appearance of evil. Like we're gonna even eliminate the possibility for you to sin correct policy wise. Yes. We're yeah. gonna eliminate I mean it's not I mean, I see it at the church level, I see it at the uh G C level, I see it completely um across the board, and I do see it as an individual level too. I think I think ultimately I see this in pastors all the time where we'll act, we're so afraid of the potential of sinning or of the potential for sin that we wouldn't even entertain an idea that, that could allow for, for, for um, the entrance of sin, right? So an, an improper behavior or whatever. Um, well, so here's, here's why this is annoying because it's entirely unbiblical. <laughs> I mean, like if if we were meant to safeguard ourselves so much from, so for, uh, so much from sin that we weren't able to sin like there wasn't even the option to sin and i get like i get the motivation there then god failed that one in genesis 1 in genesis 2 in genesis 3 where he makes a tree in the garden of eden and goes hey adam and eve don't eat from that tree if if he was so if he was so focused or so intent to make sure that there was no no not even the option or potential for sin then he wouldn't have made that tree he wouldn't have even given them given them the choice right and so this is this is why this annoys me is is we do it with purity like we do this with with marriage uh we do this with you know um there are people that there there are there are believers that think you shouldn't even hold hands with someone or kiss someone before you get married which Fair. If you think if it, it, it's okay for you to do those things yourself, right? It's okay for you to believe like, yeah, I don't want to do those things before I get married. Fine. More power to you. I will say the the, the number of fish in the sea that you have available to you uh, is greatly diminished with that. But, um, you know, more power to you. I know of several people who've done it. But when you try to enforce it for others, when you try to say, no, 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 you can't either. You can't do this either. Then we've got a problem. It's literally, it's not just we're protecting ourselves. We're trying to protect other, we're trying to do this thing and, and step in for other people and determine what they can or can't do that might be an option for sin in their lives. You know, the irony, I have a funny story about a couple that, that waited to kiss until like literally the, their first kiss was at the altar. Um, I, you know, so it was all cute and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And they got pregnant three months later. So I think that's all they did post altar, like. Yeah, pretty much all the repressed hormones <laughs> That's just all came that happened after. 
Jeez. Yeah, well, okay, well, but, but so there, there's the other thing that it does too, right? Yeah. So if, if we try to safeguard ourselves so much from sin, when someone actually gets to experience something, there might be a ton of shame and they guilt around that. Springer. Yeah, we've we've talked about this with with sex before, right? Um, the this idea that that you lose your purity or you lose something when you lose your virginity, right? And then uh, there are women and men who get married and they have sex for the first time, and they've been taught and believed that sex was wrong for the entirety of their life before they get married. And for us, that's getting later and later, right? I'm 26, not married. Um, we have friends who are almost 40, not married, and that's not a bad thing. But the point is, if you've been taught that entire time, sex is wrong, don't do it, then when you actually have it, you feel like you've done this terrible thing, and people go into counseling for years to try and get rid of the guilt and shame they feel for essentially betraying their beliefs once they were married. And um, betraying what they were taught. It's a whole psychosomatic thing, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. So, like, even in our safeguarding against sin, we end up entering, we end up allowing or giving sin a door to enter. And so, and and it catches off and it catches us off guard as a result. In fact, it's it's ironic because we're so guarded that that we're so guarded from sin that when it actually happens, we um we find we find out we weren't guarding against it. Like we weren't guarding against it properly. And it's it's really we're so afraid of it um and we're so afraid of it in very specific forms, right? Because I think we see sin as this I think we still subscribe to the beliefs that characters in the Bible even had this idea that you deserve what you get or you um you know you reap what you you reap what you sow as far as behaviors are concerned in this um how can I how can I put this right um it's like you do something and then God does something bad to you you do something good God gives you something good and this idea that you earn favor with God or you earn the right for him to answer your prayers and so we say you to earn it, you have to behave correctly. And we still see sin very much as only behavior instead of heart and mindset as well. And that's, I think that's, it's, it's an archaic form of thinking on sin where even Jesus himself tried to teach against that and saying, no, 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 it's the state of your heart, not just the way, it's the way that you regard things, not just the way you do things. And so it's, it, it's, it's frustrating to me to watch because it ends up driving so many people away from church when you are so focused on keeping them from just sinning. So I'm going to play the devil's advocate here a little bit and say, okay, um, but as an organization, how do you justify allowing something that you believe is bad? I don't think it's a matter of allowing something you believe is bad so much as allowing people room for their conscience. All right. Well, okay. So let me put it this way. Without more, um, I know I know that the what, line between a, that and a, more relativism a, is very a thin. Senior pastor, yeah, but okay. So a senior pastor that I'm fairly close to, um, he was a senior pastor of a large church, um, and it was in a more, shall we say, or a less traditional part of the country, and. Um, when he was the senior pastor of this church, he would not allow meat or caffeine um, at potlucks or church events. Like, no meat, no caffeine, because he's like, this is, you know, we believe in the health, and so from the, from the you know, that's what we're going to do. This particular individual personally was okay with eating meat and drinking caffeine and did so, you know, even on the Sabbath, dare I say, However, 
they had that policy and they were very strict and they got a lot of flack from people for it. But they said, like, we just, this is, this is our beliefs as a church. So as an organization, we're just not going to allow it. They would allow if other groups came in, right? Um, they rented this particular facility. Uh, they rented it out on Sundays to a Sunday church. Um, I think they even rented it out on Sabbath afternoons to a, uh, like a Seventh-day Baptist group, um, which, was, which was really cool. Um, so that kind of a thing happened. They wanted me, the one caffeine, that's not a problem. They could have it. But on, you know, for the Seventh-day Adventists who were there, they could not do that. And on the day that he left, they specifically had caffeine and meat kind of as a way to spite him. Oh, um, yeah. I, clearly they would do that. And and it's like, and but to me, I always understood that as like, okay, well, that's, you know, I understand why that particular individual had that um, standard, that belief, that that policy, policy, yeah, yeah, that policy enacted that policy because again, it wasn't like it was a personal standard, you know what I mean? Like he or she was not enacting their personal um, beliefs on the system. It wasn't like I'm a vegan, therefore you should you should all be vegan, or I would give a six a.m. or whatever. It's like. But this is what we believe as a church. Therefore, we're not going to allow it. Um, and I kind of – so I kind of understand that. Like oh, I, I, another good example, every time when we were at Southern, like it was the biggest complaint I ever heard from from people were like, why can't we have a thing on campus? Why can't we uh, – sorry, a thing. Why can't we have a coffee shop on campus? Um, yeah, why can't we have a thing on campus? Yeah, geez. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, With the, the stuff and the, yeah. and the doohickeys. Anyway, no. Why can't we have no, like a coffee hickeys shop are the on worst. campus? Doohickeys, doohickeys are the worst. I doohickeys are the worst. But whatchamacallits, they're fine. I don't have a problem with whatchamacallits. No. Um, but like that was one of the, you know, why can't we have meat on campus? Why can't we do all this? Um, you know, why can't we allow, you know, co ed dorms? Like, you know, we're college students. And I agree with that. I mean, I thought it was a little too much when they had, you know, the curfew. It's like, just have a 1 a.m. curfew for non freshman students. You know what I mean? If you're an 18 year old or 19 year old freshman coming in, all right, you have a curfew. Everyone else, you've been here, you've, you know, you kind of know the score, or you're 28, like one o'clock. Like, if you're on campus, like, just be here by one, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. But they didn't, and they don't, and and I kind of, I, I I respect where they're coming from with that. It's like, look, they're going to hold this high standard, and they have every right to do so because they believe that you should get rest and and et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. There's a lot of different reasons for it, um, and they were pretty. I got to be honest, they were pretty like strong on that policy. Like they really stuck to it. Like I kind of tried to push it a lot of times myself. Cause it was like, I had friends who were off campus. I was like, Hey, can I just, and they were like, no, like you need it. You know, like I was like, okay, well then how many tardies, you know, how many, how many times can I get? Yeah. And so I got, you know, you can get like six or something and I would get like five and I'd be like, that's fine. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to respect it. The letter of the law and I'm going to respect, and I'm, I'm going to honor the spirit of it as much as I can, but I'm also going to try to spend as much time as I can with my friends. And so I, I totally got why they did that, and I respected why they did it, and I thought it was cool. Um, but I also understood, dude, I'm 24. I've never had a violation. I'm a student in good standing. You know, I had a 3.4 GPA. Like, I wasn't a four point something, but I, you know what I mean. Like, I was paying Doesn't attention. Matter. You didn't have it violations. Wasn't, yeah, 
I was passing. But what I mean is I was passing. Like I was passing with good grades. You know what I mean? I wasn't a one point three. I wasn't on a on a list or anything like that. Like why? I, like I didn't understand why they couldn't do that. And then beyond even that, like every student coming in had to live in the dorm unless they were living with other people or married. They had to come live in the dorm. And I was a senior. I was moving out. My brother came in. He was already twenty one. You know what I mean? Um, I think he might have even been twenty two at that point. Uh, maybe it was just twenty one. But it was like I was coming out. Um, I wanted to live at the the more adult place. I was like, can you please just live with me? He's been a student dean. He was a student chaplain for two years. Um, sorry, not student dean. He was a, it was a student chaplain for two years. He was uh, like, uh, you know, involved in leadership and ministry and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, he's got, you know what I mean? Like, he's not a troublemaker. Can you please, you know, we'll sign whatever you want to sign, you know. We'll write extra report. Like, we'll do whatever it needs to take to get this done. And they were like, no, he needs to stay in the dorm. Like, that's how it's going to work. So I had to go back to the dorm for my senior year, for my final semester, so I could room with him. And it was like, I, 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 I was very frustrated with that policy. At the same time, I understood why they had it. Um, so I, I, I see where you're going with your argument. And, I, and while I might agree with it, I can also see how as an organization – um, you kind if you believe in something and if you hold something to be true and you believe that, uh, the, you know, we're not okay with you stabbing people, even if you believe it's okay to stab people within the realm of this, um, how shall I say it? Within the realm of this particular organization, we're not going to let you stab people. Like, we don't believe that that's okay, so we're not going to, you know, if you want to if you want to be a part of this community, you can't do that. And we're not going to say, like, oh, well, I guess you can just stab people. Like, I also get that side of it. Yeah, okay. So I think I think we're talking about, I, at least in your Southern example, I think, I think with schools and universities or institutions like that, even a workplace, um, it's a little bit different only because, like, Southern's a private, a private institution – they could have a curfew of 7 p.m. if they wanted and would have every right to create the rule that they want to create. And if you disagree with that rule enough, if that's a high enough priority for you, then you don't go to Southern. That's not the curfew for anyone who has no idea. Um, Southern's the college that we both went to, Southern Adventist University. So that's what we're talking about, right? And for the, the and and so, like, they have every right to just make a rule to make a rule. Like, they can just do that. They can say, hey, this is what we want on campus, so deal with it. And we want right. students who, okay, fine. Everyone has to wear blue shirts on Wednesdays. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, because I'm paying for an education from something, or I'm paying for something, a product there. And if I want a specific environment that I'm paying for, then I, then I would choose that environment. Well, with, with religion, or at least in the example of the church policy, right? Like, the church could have easily, at any point in time, outvoted the pastor on that in business session. Easily, they could have. They didn't, but easily they could have. Um, there are, I actually asked my ministerial director at one point, like, what if my church votes to do something that's against policy in business session or in a board and I've tried to counsel them against it and they won't listen. And he goes, yeah, they can do that. They can vote and go in the direction to break policy. Yeah. The they, only one is with, and the executive council is yeah. really the only, or executive yeah, committee. Yeah. You can't do anything really about can, it. Yeah. The now, granted, conference and, and union, you know, will step in at some point and be like, "Hey, guess what? You keep doing this. You're not a church anymore." But at least on the record yeah. and on minutes, you can have it stating that you weren't for it or whatever, and protect. I yourself, shall state basically. for the record. Yeah, 
Yeah. But um, I, I mean, think, I mean, and granted, even with- let's, let's just let's be real. As much as I'm a huge fan of policy, there are some times where you can, you know, what I mean, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Well, the like, the the other side here too is caffeine and meat aren't a specific like they're not a. We believe that they're bad for you, sure, but they're it's not a policy thing that I know of. Is yeah, there a no. policy? Is it, yeah. So it's no. still not even. It was a health. It, it was just a health message. It was just a concept, you know, like the, hey, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the health message kind of a thing. Yeah, and if the church decides as a whole we don't want this in the church, fine. That's totally fine. No big deal there. Um, I, you know, because it's a church community and everyone's lives in that community is impacted by it. The higher up the church you go, I think the grayer that line gets because I think when as you start spreading across cultures and starting to um, try to dictate the policies, procedures of those in entirely different contexts from those who are making the policies and procedures – then you start to run into issues. And I think um, one, one, one example of this, and I, I, now I finally have the transcript of it, where in, um, in one of our general conference sessions, so world church meetings, someone stood up and made the a big motion. Business session. Yeah, big business session for the world church. Um, basically said, like, he wanted to speak on behalf of many members and young adults who are faithful, tithe-paying, church-going Adventists, but who live together. Uh, and he's like, I'm not diminishing the value of marriage. However, I don't want to diminish the quality of the relationship that many members or young adults who live together, often as a stepstone to marriage or more healthy relationships than our marriages. I don't want to sanctify living together, but I also don't want to vilify living together. I'm single. I don't have children. I don't live together, so I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking on behalf of the others that might be represented here or not. And so he says, so I'd like to make an amendment to the motion that the line reading from line 19 would go as follows, and I'm starting halfway to center, biblical standards of moral conduct and any non-consensual acts of sexual conduct within or without a marriage, whether those acts are illegal or illegal. I would like to make this amendment to the motion. And the idea here, basically, he's saying is like, there are people that are cohab- cohabitating or, 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 you know, um, they're, they're living together in a, in a, in a house or whatever. And he's saying some of these people are in what we would consider godly relationships outside of, um, you know, like just godly relationships. It's monogamous. It's, everything about it reflects the character and love of God. They just haven't had some official legal ceremony for it, right? And maybe they're prepping for it. Maybe they've moved in together three or four months before they got married. And um, he's saying, like, can we, can we make allowance for this? Because this is something in my culture that's, that's important. And they basically immediately, others spoke up to basically not even just disagree with this motion, but there are some that called for it to not even be considered. Someone made the point of, um, I would like to submit, in fact, that if a motion were to be approved here to, let's say, change the day of worship, that motion would not be capable of standing. And therefore, entertainment of of a motion of this nature, that amendment in particular, would vitiate the... Uh, that which we stand for, as we understand it in terms of Scripture. Basically, he's saying, like, should we even stand, or, or should a motion even stand that is fundamentally fundamentally against our fundamental beliefs and doctrines? And I was, and, and I'm sitting here like, that's you didn't even, not, you didn't even bother, it's, that's a, not, it's not a, fun, yeah. yeah, and it's not a fundamental belief or doctrine. No. And, um, well, I mean, we had a professor... And we'll, I now get back to this, but I mean, we had a professor who was like, well, I won't even marry people if they're wearing rings. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of a thing where I was like, are you like, like, cause that's just a re- look, we can say whatever we want. Like for Western civilization, the reality is our kids are having sex before marriage. Okay. Our young adults are living together. That's, that's the majority of our reality. The minority aren't. That's just our across the board. Maybe in in uh, uh, Adventist institutions, it's different. Um, maybe that's not it's not as bad for people who actually go to say Southern or Andrews or whatever. Um, but the, the majority of our young adults are. That's yeah. our reality, and so if you won't even like entertain, like to me, I think that's the big thing again. It's like, and I get again, the other side of it, which I argued, which was as a policy, but I'm like, I, I loved the line that he said there where it was like, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying, can we, can we make some room to say, Hey, the point of marriage is monogamous. It's, commitment it's all of that if a ceremony isn't present but everything else is can we acknowledge that and i I, you know yeah well i think that's the question that we need to answer like what is the point of marriage and and i'll go back to my personal feeling which has always been marriage as it is instituted in the bible not not uh, according to the mosaic laws the way we understand marriage Not according to the previous, I'm saying, because even with the patriarchs, it's a different thing. But I'm saying according to the way God handed it down to Moses, which is the way we relate to it. Because it's it's not pre-Mosaic. That particular marriage was a way of protecting women because women were viewed as commodities. God did everything he could in the Mosaic laws to, to make women not commodities, to make them not... Uh, as close to being equal as possible, working within the culture that he was in. Um, And Jesus, of course, you know, obviously treated women as equals. Um, You might interpret the gospel different than me if you say that, but look at how he treated women, right? Like he treated them as, as just as he treated them no differently than he did the men, as far as the power and calling them to scripture and all of that. Um, so to me, marriage was a protection, right? It was a way of ensuring that women were kept and taken care of. I mean, that's why, and the, people who don't understand that, that's why they have such a big problem with, uh, well, uh, the woman has to marry her rapist. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That law was instituted because if that happened, that poor girl was basically alone for the rest of her life. And if her parents didn't want to take care of her, she was stuck. It was a way of saying, you now have protection. And so for people who don't understand that, it's this horrible, barbaric, terrible thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's a rule of protection. That's a, that's a loving it's, – it sounds horrible, but the problem was not the rape. That's horrible and wrong, and we should stop it. The problem was she was now never – like the practical issue was she was never going to be able to be taken care of because she was, quote, unquote, damaged goods, according to that culture, not according to God. And so he said, no, 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 yeah. she has to be taken care of. So when you understand marriage from that 
from a pragmatic, those are the pragmatic rules that God had with the ceremony and the whole thing. Then you begin to understand, like, get down to the, to the, get away from the milk part of it. Get down to the meat part of it. You know what I mean? Like, let's get down to the actual. Well, and let's, um, let's be even more clear there because, um, the one thing is that when in that case, the parents could say no, the father could say no to right, the yes. rapist. That yeah. was something that was absolutely that was allowed. Totally, so it totally. was, a woman was not forced and, to marry her rapist. And she so was allowed, anyone else could marry her. Like, yep. understand that. If if another boy from the village was in love with her, or man was in, was in love with her, he could still do that. But God was saying, if there, if now there is no other option, He's forcing the person who did the misdeed to ha- to take care of her. If they choose not to enforce that, that's totally fine for them to do that. But now he was forced to make sure that she was taken care of for the rest of her life. It, it's like uh, it's like an early version of um, uh, alimony. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, uh, what's not alimony? But um, uh, work with me when the child child um. Uh, when the the baby the uh, what's it called when you when they no they aren't married but he pays for the kid what's that called oh I, child no I don't I don't know what you're talking about yeah it's it's alimony basically child you know t- uh, making sure that the child you know paying to make sure that the child is raised right it's an early version gotcha. of that we we have that and I can't think of the actual <laughs> my Name. brain is just dumb yes but that's the you know. Child payments. Yeah. Um, well, the That's okay. An, so the version of that. The the fun um, the fun thing here too is that um, the fun thing here is that I just read through the fundamental belief on marriage and the family, and it actually says nothing about living together. Period. It doesn't it does even not. say Mm-mm. it doesn't. It has nothing to do with living together. So it's fundamental yep. belief number twenty three, and it just I, says lifelong union between a man and a woman in a loving in loving companionship. That's all marriage is. It does so what, not. It does not even specify polygamous or not. And they were very, 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 very intentional about that. And Because I think at one point it was between a man and a woman uh, or a single man and a single woman. And I remember, I, I, if, if I'm remembering my history correctly, they changed that language to incorporate uh, polygamous marriages so that they could be uh, within policy so they weren't out of what's the – current phrase out, out of, of policy out of compliance out of compliance with policy um so that you know because they were going to these places where one man had several wives and they were like well you gotta get rid so they specifically changed the language if i'm remembering they might not have and it might just they kind of worked around but i think they had to like change the language to make sure that you know it could be like that but yeah it doesn't talk about living together it just no. says that they're in a committed like it again. It talks about the the main point of it. Yeah. So I I do find almost the entire conversation seems odd to me, um, but well, it's tradition. Yeah. Like, and this is the thing: marriage, and this is not where we're supposed to go with this, but marriage is a perfect example of the Trinity. This is why God said the two become one, and God involved, and and it's supposed to be. A healthy, God-centered marriage is where two individuals are so linked and connected that they become one person. Um, my mom had this great line uh, when she renewed her vows at her 25th anniversary. Um, 
and she forgot her glasses and it was really dark. So she just kind of winged it. She had like a whole paper and, but she, she just kind of winged it cause she couldn't see it. And she goes on with that and she's talking, you know, with various things. She goes, you're, you're like an appendage. And, and of course it's just, you know, hilarious. Everyone was laughing. It was just, it was a great scene. It was, it was very light, you know, brought a lot of levity to something that could be, you know, kind of intense. Mm-hmm. And the point she was making is when you're not around, I feel like I'm missing an arm. I feel like I'm missing a leg. She meant to say limb, but appendage is just so much funnier. Um, and and she's like, that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm missing a hand or, or something is not here when you're not here. And my dad is the same way. You know, um, they I, I, I've never been able to play one off of the other. You know, yeah. and then when God is involved in that, it's that idea of it's three in one. You know, my mom, you know, we recently got, they recently got a dog, um, our family. And when I say they, I know it was both of them because I know that my dad would not make a decision without my mom and without both praying about it a lot. You know what I mean? So I, when my mom says something, I know it's my dad saying, when my dad says something, I know my mom's saying it. And I, and I believe that both of them have prayed about it. Not, not everything they say, but you know what I mean? And, and they bicker, you know, they're a typical couple, but, um, I know that they become one. And when I see that, I go, oh, it's a perfect example of the Trinity. And that's what marriage is supposed to be. That's why God's like, I would never leave you. So that's why divorce is so horrible. Because I don't want Mm. you to leave me. Because it's beyond just you not committing to this one person. He goes, it's you. I would never leave you. Right? This is why Moses dying, you know, or or Moses couldn't get into the promised land. Because he he hit the rock. And God goes, this was a symbol of me. This was an example of me. And you messed this up. And now they have a, a distorted picture of who I am in in their minds. They being, you know, Israel. Yeah. Because that was not okay. Right? And that's, you know, that the whole debate of, like, why couldn't Moses get in is he just hit the rock. And it's like, because there was more at stake than just that. Right? So yeah. I will agree that with marriage, there is more that at stake than just the little things. But at the same time, the point is not the ceremony or the legality of it. The mm-hmm. point is the commitment and the love, right, that they well, have between each other. And the well, so my problem with all of this is basically the we are at a global scale making decisions that basically micromanage the behaviors of people across cultures, and we do so selectively. Yeah. A, but B, it's very arbitrary. It's yeah, it's super arbitrary, right? But my other side or my other issue with that is um, we're basically taking away people's opportunity to make intelligent decisions for themselves. I'm not advocating that we should just allow whatever outside of marriage or, you know, what like I I agree that if you want to be a Seventh-day Adventist, there are certain things that you do because that's what Seventh-day Adventists do. And at some point, if you don't, you know, if you're not living like an SDA, then you're not SDA. You're not living like an evangelical, eventually you're not an evangelical. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, um, if you're playing tennis at, well, the, at goes, the golf country on the golf course, you're not playing golf. You, you know what I mean? Like, at yeah, some point, you're not yeah, you're no, not I, doing the thing it, that it's like it's like that um, that the debate. I, did we do an episode on this where we talk about like how far is the line before you stop becoming Adventist? Yes, we mean? did. I've talked about this a couple times on the show. We did it with yeah. TJ Sands as well. We need to do we need to do another podcast on that. But yeah, like like that not podcast, another episode. Um but like that that whole debate of you know, how far is too far? And I, I 
I agree with you on that. But at the I just well, anyway, I'll, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead, man. No, no, no. I it's it is it's just we're so look. This is this is what we do because basically what we're doing is we're repeating. We are literally repeating the um, the mistake that Eve made in in Genesis, right? Because it's funny that uh, someone someone shared this recently that that um, that the sin of Eve was basically that she doubt that she allowed she listened to the serpent and the serpent let her doubt God, and I don't think that was her mistake. Her mistake was not doubting God. Her mistake was adding to what God had instructed her to do and thinking that what she added was God's word as well. So God says, do not eat of this tree for the day that you do, you shall surely die. When the serpent asks her, did he really say you shouldn't touch the, or you shouldn't eat from the tree? She says, he said, God, God said we shouldn't eat nor touch the fruit or we shall surely die. Which is all the serpent has to do is disprove the thing that she added that isn't sin. All he yeah. has to do is show her that you yeah. can touch the fruit and not die. And then all, that's what it takes to undermine God's word. Is that he doesn't even have to undermine God's word. He undermines her word that she has mistakenly put as God's word. And now she'll doubt everything that God has said. And so this is what we're doing. We're creating all of these, all these yeah. boundaries. And we're saying, if you cross the boundaries that we've set up, you are sinning. Well, that tradition is not. Tradition yeah, is ahead. not doctrine. No, tradition it's not. is not dogma. And, and I think that's such a big thing. That's why I say I'm a conservative, non-traditional. Because I, I, I believe, and I'm like, if you actually know Christianity, like you and I are like crazy conservative because um, we actually believe the Bible is real. Like that alone puts us on the conservative, almost extreme conservative end of, um, you know, Christianity. Um, but I, I believe that Jesus was both man and God. I believe all these, these conservative doctrine, um, I'm very conservative when it comes to that, uh, when it comes to the Sabbath, when it comes to all of that, I'm not traditional. I don't believe traditions are the same. So it doesn't bother me when I go to a church and I just wear jeans. Um, it bothers members of my family. It bothers them a lot because they grew up in a culture where you can't preach unless you're wearing a three-piece suit or at least a tie. Mm. But a three-piece yeah. suit would be preferable, right? Um, you know, they grew up with the understanding that these traditions are doctrine. And it's like, mm, no, it's tradition. There might be a reason for it. There might be a good reason for it. And I'm not saying all traditions are bad. But my problem with traditions, I always go back to this. Uh, traditions are the reason why the Pharisees killed Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? Like the Romans still would have died. Like he would have died. But the reason why the Jewish leadership did it is because of tradition. Because they had taken tradition. They had, they had forgotten why the tradition was there in the first place. Um. You, you do get lost and you forget the forest for the trees when it comes to these traditions we put up. Adventist culture is not Adventist doctrine and it's not Adventist dogma. And by the way, when we say Adventist culture, that's a really, you need to be really careful saying that because Adventist culture, according to what? Yeah. 
according to Western culture, according to Papua New Guinea, according to Europe, according to Polynesia, according to Africa, according to South America, according to Asia, according to Southeast Asia. Like, which Adventist tradition are you talking about? Historical, which would be America, which would be Western. Dare I say colonizing tradition? Okay. I'm not saying tradition is bad. I'm saying understand it because our predecessors historically had really bad traditions. They had really bad doctrines. I mean, let's be real. They did not have it all figured out. And we have not had it figured. There's no point where we had everything figured out and things started crumbling from there. Like we've been consistently growing. But at the same time, even our traditions, when they first started out, were not great. And they had to change them. Yeah, I think... I, and, I, and I think the other side of this, too, is what happens in these meetings when we bring delegates from around the world, too. A big weakness of this is that everyone just projects their own culture onto the rest of the world. Yeah. And you can argue that even the guy that made this motion in 2015 is also projecting his his culture on the rest of the world. I but agree. I don't think he—I I actually he's don't. He's asking I don't, for help. He, he's and asking he's for asking, help. And he's asking for allowance within his culture. So what he's not yeah. saying is your cultures have to live this way. He's actually can saying, we change, yeah, can, can we, we change, change the this so that so my that... culture can be my culture? But you all don't have to do this. And like, more accurately reflect the current doctrine as it is. Yeah. Yep. The 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 other side of this, too, is um, and, and the motion he was making was in church discipline. It wasn't in necessarily the fundamental belief itself, just so we're clear. Like it was under reasons for discipline. But in the manual, that's what they were actually debating. But the 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 side of this too, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the the motion in 2015 to allow divisions to ordain women, right? Uh, basically, to allow divisions to decide for themselves whether or not they will or will not ordain women, right? That's something that was very much originated by North America and inter-European divisions, and they were basically saying like, look. We do, you don't have to ordain women in yours. We're not saying we're not making it mandatory that every culture has to ordain women. We're just saying let us do it in ours. Like let us make the decisions for ourselves, and you can keep doing what you feel is important. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to project something onto you and make you live in a way that you don't want to live. I'm just allow. I'm asking you to not punish something or not punish people in the other side of the world for doing something that you don't normally do. Well, and this is the thing that also gets me. We are not the nation of Israel, okay? The nation of Israel had this concept of corporate sin. If one person broke the law in Israel, every person in Israel broke the law, right? Mm. Um, that does not exist in, a, in, in the current—first uh, of all, that was done away with if you read and understand anything about Jeremiah 31, with the new covenant. If you understand anything about Jeremiah 31, you get this idea of no longer shall someone else say, this is what you've done. Everyone will make their own decision in their hearts. And then you get Jesus specifically saying, right? Like, I will not judge the nation based on, you know, you have these, these specific instances of Jesus saying it is on the individual, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so you, you look at this and Jesus did not qualify. I mean, even John the Baptist said, repent and be baptized individually. Right, he was not preaching to the nation as a whole. He was preaching to individuals specifically, right? Yeah. And you would argue that that was a change in prophetic because John was the first. John the Baptist was the first prophet since the 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 uh, I can't remember who the last one was. I think Jeremiah. 
Um, he was the last one. Uh, it might have been, yeah, I think he was the last prophet since Jeremiah. I can't remember if there was one in between. But realistically, that was it. And he went, and Jeremiah was a big, it was nation, it was we all need to repent. And then you look at John, and John the Baptist is preaching individuals, right? You mm-hmm. come down and get, that's why baptism, that's why you could have baptism. That's why he wasn't involved with the temple. That's why it wasn't big, because it wasn't about the corporate anymore. That idea of a corporate sin does not exist. However, we have projected that understanding onto our church as a whole, which, by the way, if we were going to talk about corporate sin, I have bad news for Adventists out there. We are not the only Christians that exist. So the sin of the Catholics and the sins of the Lutherans and vice versa, the sins of the Adventists would be projected onto the greater Christian world. Because mm. that is the brethren that we are being judged with. We can try to isolate ourselves as much as we want and declare ourselves as the remnant movement and so on and so forth. But we are still connected to the greater Christian brotherhood, sisterhood, siblinghood. Um, I'm not like I really want to use intrusive language there. Um, that is our connection. So if you were going to take that policy of corporate sin, I got bad news for you. And this is the thing that we need to take when we bring – I was honestly surprised that no one brought this up when we came up there. It's like, look, if we want to make this mistake, God's not going to take that and and put it on you. He's not going to be like, all right, well, I'm done with this, everyone then. He's going to not use us. He's going to be like, yeah. all right, and and in particular, those particular individuals, right? Um, And, and, and it just frustrates me. When we think about that, because it's this idea of perfection. It's this it's last generation theology reaching up to the highest levels and and brought us all over the place. And it's frustrating. Those of you who don't know about last generation theology, we've talked about it in other parts of our podcast. I think we might have had an episode on it. Um but the point is that it, it's this idea of we must be a hundred percent completely perfect before Jesus can come again. Well, there is there is no corporate sense of that mm. we are judged on an individual basis so i agree so all this to say i have been playing devil's advocate and i have been saying you know i i'm a huge believer in policy at the same time i do believe we can have room for people who to for people to choose okay this is sin sin disconnects you from god we don't support that but we can find ways to say this goes against our tradition our interpretation of it but we're willing to let you and God decide that. Yeah. And I, and we need to make room for that because while I'm not going to advocate for for cohabitation outside of marriage, I'm I'm also not going to villainize it. Because I well, I re- and- I understand that there is a possibility of having I mean think about slaves. Right? During the era in the, in the Americas when they couldn't get married. They would have common, yeah. that's common law. Well, I'm trying to figure out too, like, I don't know where cohabitation in the Bible is sinful, like with anyone, right? This idea that, that you can't live with someone else or be, you know, uh, live in the same place or in the same building as someone else. Like there's nowhere in scripture that says that. And even if you want to say for this reason, uh, you know, someone will leave their son, their father and mother and live with another. Okay. You know, fair. That might be the closest you can get to cohabitation really being a bad thing in scripture. But like. No Even ceremony then, is mentioned. Yeah, no ceremony is mentioned. It just nothing. says go live with this other person. Yeah. If I if I live with this person, 
and um, we're not. If I have a roommate, what's the difference between me having a roommate and me having a partner that you know a, a, a significant other? That, and now, granted, I'm not saying I want to live with a significant other, and I'm not saying that like I want to do that before I'm married or anything. I'm not advocating for myself. I'm just trying to figure out where we get the idea that that is so much sinful that you can't do it because the line between cohabitation between a significant other and myself or a roommate and myself is even if it's a roommate of the opposite gender um, is, is entirely thin. And if both of us have separate rooms and both of us have, even if you have the even same, the same room. room, even if you have the same room, right? There's, I there's, was never naked in front of my roommates at Southern ever. Yeah. I don't, the whole thing is just like, you're micromanaging at that point, and you're making essentially something... you're saying we don't we don't trust yeah. you to be able to a control yourself, b be smart enough, and it's and it boils down to again that tradition of we'll avoid the appearance of evil, and it's like yes. well, okay, so that's not we... up to you. Yeah, well, that and can can I just nip appearance of evil in the bud here real quick? I may have to do this almost every time yeah. it comes up, but people ask me every time we mention it. So the the word that's used for the word appearance in 1 Thessalonians 5:22 where it says avoid the appearance of evil or avoid every appearance of evil right um we read that and we think i have to avoid appearance of evil we put the onus on the reader and we say you have to avoid appearing as if you are doing evil the problem with that idea is it's entirely unbiblical because then jesus who's accused of being a glutton a drunkard um and hanging around with is prostitutes hanging around. And- yep yeah okay he fails Jesus isn't the perfect sacrifice anymore. If you believe that the appearance of evil is bad, you cannot, by definition, believe in that Jesus was a perfect sacrifice. Sorry, like you just can't. Or Paul. There's no way around it. Or Peter. Yeah, you, you literally can't. It's impossible. Um, the rest of the Bible goes out the window. The problem with reading it as the appearance of evil, I tend to favor a translation that says uh, every form of evil. The re- even though form isn't the specific word that it translates from, um, the specific word it translates from is the Greek word educe, which. Um, is where we, it's also, it's used one other place in the New Testament, and it's where we say, um, we walk by faith, not by sight. So the word there is for sight. So instead of avoid the appearance of evil, one way you could read this is avoid the sight of, avoid every sight of evil, or avoid, um, when you say avoid the appearance of evil, or every appearance of evil, what this verse is actually saying is not avoid appearing as if you are evil, but rather, when evil shows itself, do not engage in it. Do not participate in the evil. Avoid every appearance before you <laughs> uh, of evil. That's what he's saying. And so which, Jesus— Which, and again, talk about that word evil, okay? That just means don't show up at a Nazi rally. Yeah, like, and like, honestly— Evil, there's a difference between evil and bad. And again, sin is not evil. Sin disconnects from God. So sin is painful. But it's not evil. Evil is when I maliciously do something against another person. Yeah. Right? But sin is a disconnect. Evil is a result of sin, not a symptom of it. Yeah. Well, and, and so I'm looking I'm looking at some uh, tweet roundups from the day that this thing was vote, talked about in general conference about cohabitation, right? Um, because people were advocating that living together— uh, someone responded that living together is would would require us to redefine marriage altogether, and uh, someone tweeted out, I, "I promise you, if those couples that were cohabitating wanted to have sex, they wouldn't be needing to they wouldn't need to live together to do so." That's the point. Like we're trying to avoid this thing that people can get access to anyway, and it's 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 sad to me to see 
um it, it's sad to me to 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 see that kind of just ignorance right that that kind of just failure to we're so afraid of it in this one area that we're not even being able we're not even able to address it in this other one we're not even properly addressing it in this other one and um and and, it, and the reason for the marriage ceremony is to literally just have witnesses. Like the reason that you have the ceremony is to commit to others and to God um, that this is the person you're going to, you know what I mean? This is the one. This is the one that I'm going to do the thing with, right? Um, yeah. And that's literally so that if other people see you walking around with someone else, they can call you out and be like, um, yeah. that's not the one. That's the only reason you have a public ceremony, right? Yeah. That's That's it. Um, oh, here's, legally here's the now we've, we've added other things to that, but that's the point of the marriage ceremony is literally, it's like a baptism, right? It's yeah. like a baptism is everyone else is now here. They're here to help you in your marriage. Same thing with we're here to help you on your Christian walk. Yep. We're your family now. We're, that's the point of the marriage ceremony. That's the only reason really to have it. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the kicker. Are you ready for this? The day that they voted on this, bing, bing. a third of the delegates were absent. Only 1,700 of 2,500 people were present. And I love this. Uh, someone said, uh, where are these people? Have they been paid to come on vacation? So not only are we, like, we barely even take this seriously anyway, and we completely ignored the idea of, or, or ignored 800 people. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have a meeting without quorum, or, you know, if we if we do have a quorum, and that by not showing up, you can basically protest a vote. But at the same time, like that is pretty irresponsible, um, yeah. not of just those delegates, well, but it, of us to just I, ignore the fact that eight hundred of them are gone. I understand that a lot of yeah, a lot of times um, people have to go for different reasons and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a lot. That's eight hundred I mean, people. Very, out of very rarely is every single person right there. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's that's so, a lot. It, it, so it's, what's the it's, it's also frustrating. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm literally gonna switch gears. So if you're gonna if you're gonna say something no nope, no nope, okay nope. i was gonna switch um, gears too so my question is what's the alternative here how do we how do we yeah. legislate or make policy and talk about behaviors as, in a covenant community like a church in a way that isn't just trying to eradicate the option for sin from our lives um because yeah. even you know what's funny because even the idea in the great controversy within adventism is not that god has removed the option for sin after there is no more the the idea that we preach in revelation is that there's no more death, dying, and 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 yep. pain and crying, not because God has removed sin, but because God has so shown us that sin is so detestable that we won't want to anymore. Literally, because yeah. we've lived here no, for yeah. so long, we've seen it, we said, no, I don't want that anymore. It's not that the, the choice for sin will always be present for all of eternity. It was present before humanity. It will be present throughout eternity with humanity, right? So th it's not... God isn't about removing the option or the decision for sin. God is about making is showing us that sin is is so destructive that we wouldn't even want to do it in the first place. So what's the alternative? How do we how do we move forward on on a principle like that? So to me there's a twofold part. The first one is the short term and then there's the long term. The short term ways is by changing the language so that um we remove tradition from doctrine and we further separate and understand tradition is not doctrine. Um, traditional interpretation is not doctrine. 
Uh, there's a reason why our doctrines are, are vague, and there's a reason why they have so many verses, you know, underneath them. Um, because we're trying to prove a concept, a, a, a general principle is something that we're trying to do, not specifics. When you get into the specifics is when you begin to get these little hairy instances, and that's when I think we ought to have a lot more room for room for interpretation. Um, the long-term one is by changing the culture so that we truly begin to get a better and deeper understanding of God and how his mind works and how his heart works. And if it's a heart of love, a heart of love, you know, I, there's a reason why the Levitical commandments are super specific and everything Jesus says is super nonspecific, but much harder. It's a lot easier to obey. Um, it's a lot easier to not break rules when you know the specific rule. It's a lot. It's a lot harder to follow um, when you're given just a general guideline. To just mm-hmm. ju- you know, Jesus didn't say come and not break rules. He said follow me, walk in my footsteps. That's hard to do, especially when he is gone. Now he's gone. I cannot walk in his footsteps, literally. Um, so I have to see and watch and and look at the patterns of how he did it. The last commandment he gave, the eleventh commandment, is love one another the way I loved you. That's hard. So you have to break down these traditions and and actually explore what does that actually mean. And that it's going to take you into some very dangerous spots. Um, you're going to have to think for yourself. You're going to have to read the Bible and understand it for yourself. And you might take other people's understandings from it, but I would recommend not getting a Bible with... Um, anyone's commentary on it. So not the Bible according to Amazing Facts, not the Bible according to uh, um, Dr. Uh, uh, the Clear Word version. Get a Bible, read it. If you get something that doesn't seem to make sense, go to the Greek. I mean, we have online things for that. Begin to understand the heart of God. When you begin to understand the heart of God, then you can understand how Jesus can say things like if you even look at a man with hatred in your heart or a woman or your brother, you, you've sinned. You've disconnected. Mm-hmm. It's so much more than than just not breaking rules. And when we do that, then we can realize you can't prevent someone from sinning. You can only make them love God. Or you can only lead them to a loving relationship with God. That's it. Yeah. Um, when you do that, when you lead them into a loving relationship with God, he will guide them in the modes of truth. And it requires you letting go and allowing God to to move people. Um, that's the long term. That's the long term. But the short term is we can change our language to better reflect, which is what this delegate was putting up. And and again, I don't agree, or I'm not condoning, um, you know, a, a pre-sexual, a, a pre-marriage, um, sexual pre-marital intimacy, sex. premarital sex, whatever. English is hard. I'm not condoning that. I'm I'm not even condoning necessarily cohabitation, but I am saying that there there is wiggle room, and we do not have to be as hard on these doctrines. As I'm not I'm not saying every church needs to not have caffeine or meat, but I am saying 
let's try to look at our traditions and say what is helpful, what is not. What is going to help? What is going to bring people in? What is what is going to give them an accurate interpretation of what we believe and what we think is godly versus what is going to exclude and what is going to harm? Um, yeah, is this helpful or not? And and that to me is that's a much harder question. Yeah, I think. I, I, I hate to say, and, and sure, you can say, oh, well, he's being argued by postmodern influences, and he's just a- advocating for moral wel- relativism and postmodernism, where everyone says what they want, and everyone does what's right we're, in their we're own so eyes. We're so past postmodern. And, we're so yeah, past we're, it. What's the, what's the, we're like metamodern meta, or something like that? Yeah. Meta, metamodern. Um, yeah, it's just, it's funny to me. That's all. Um, the The issue, the the... The problem I have here is that um, – I'm trying to figure out a way to word this. I don't think cohabitation is a terrible thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it should be the first thing that you jump to, and I think if you can – It's not the best. Um, yeah, but I, 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 like I also see very valid reasons. of all couples that, that yeah. move in together, they end up getting divorced because there's no commitment there. So I understand. It's not it's not the best yeah. thing. No, and but at the same time, I have friends who – um, I have a friend who's in med school right now, and the only way that she could afford med school was to room with her best friend who's a guy. And they have an apartment, and they would um, – separate rooms, everything, but they're just friends. Nothing going on there. And they – and someone's like, oh, there's no way. There's nothing going on there. Look, shut up. Like oh, that's, It happens honestly, all the time. Honestly, no, It happens shut all up. the time. I, I don't even care that scene is disrespectful. You're literally assuming the worst about someone else. That's what you're doing. If you go, oh, there's no way they they could live together without at least being attracted to one another. Oh, I didn't realize attraction was a sin, by the way. Oh, um, but, but beyond even that, if you've ever lived with another human being, you know there isn't very like if if you are a neat freak and the other person is a slob. No, there's no way. There's no way. Yep. Like the, so. Let yeah. Let's get over the whole assuming the worst of them thing because that's not what we're called to do. In fact. Um, I would argue that the Bible actually teaches us to assume the best of someone as as much as possible before we actually commit to doing anything uh, or before we actually commit to any sort of discipline or anything. And that's actually the one thing that I'm kind of grateful for in even our public laws, that police can't actually do anything until a crime has been committed. Sometimes that does suck because it's clear that a crime is about to be committed for some reasons. In theory, they're supposed to. Yes, in theory. I get me. Yes, in theory, Unless but I am black. thankful for that. Exactly, um, yeah. and to those of you who are um, treated as guilty before um, before you not okay. have done anything wrong or without doing anything wrong, yeah, that's not okay. But um, in theory, but am, yes, yes policy theory, wise, that's a good thing. That's, a, that's what's yep. supposed to happen for that exact reason. Yeah, I I think we need to stop assuming the worst of people. That's what I think. Yep. I think we yep. need to stop assuming the worst of people in every instance, and that. Ultimately, I think that's that's how we move forward from this. The other thing, too, is I think um, I do think we need to stop projecting what is sin for ourselves onto others. We did an episode on that recently, um, probably back in the 80s or 70s of episodes. And um, we do need to stop projecting what may have been sin for ourselves or a big temptation to sin for ourselves onto other people and assume that they are going to be susceptible to the same thing. I think we need to stop doing that. And, and I do think we need to embrace each other's context and cultural context, financial context, economic, all of it. Like, I think we need to be more understanding of each other and seek to understand before being understood. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, so 
Um, I get why people are afraid of cohabitation, fully understand it, fully understand why they don't want to do it or, or don't want to advocate for it. That's fine. Um, but there, I, yeah. And I'm fine to re-explore this topic another day. Absolutely. Yeah, no. But, and absolutely. If you disagree with us, come talk about it. But yeah. let's just be clear. Once again, cohabitation is not part of the doctrine. It, yeah. This is not, it's not even policy in our church. This is literally a way just to say, look. We understand that not everything can be the best way. We're going to work with you. Here's the here's the basic principle. Yep. And I and agree. just saying, hey, you know, this is this is the way because I do believe there are certain things that that draw us closer to God or draw us away from God. And let's just stop putting God in a box and let Him decide. Yeah, I agree. Um, on that note, we'll include links to the transcri- uh to the uh, transcription or the the um yeah the transcript for the business session that we're referring to. So there'll be a link to that PDF from the Adventist archives that you can check out. Uh, what we're looking at is specifically on page 43, uh, 43 to the end. So you can take a look at that. No problem. And link, link. also link to spectrum's roundup of the tweets that we also referred to as well. And special thanks to spectrum for sending me the, the link to their write-ups from GC 15, because they're the only ones that actually do full write-ups like this. And really appreciative of them rounding up some tweets and, and reactions. Um, yeah, so yeah, great. we'll link that as well. But Very if you, um, yeah, if you want to talk about this with us, if you want to join in this conversation, maybe you, maybe you completely disagree with anything we've said. Like I'm game to have that conversation, um, and uh, I want to understand as well. So if if you feel so compelled and you so strongly disagreed with anything we said um, that you want to talk to us, please reach out. Um, I'd love for you to talk about it on the, on the podcast with us. Um, this is certainly not meant to be an echo chamber. So thank you so much for, um, for yeah, being here, uh, and for listening. Now, if you do want to subscribe, if you want to, um, if you want to keep following us, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, you know, you know the deal. And if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast, every dollar goes back into this podcast. I'm currently looking at needing a new laptop. And, um, my laptop is literally on its last legs. I can't even record on my laptop anymore. Um, that's how bad this has gotten. And, um, it makes a horrible sound. And the problem with the problem with this is that I can't buy because of the kind of media work I do. I can't just buy a $200 netbook and call it a day. Like I'm looking at at least a thousand dollars for a laptop. So easy. Um, I wish, right. I wish, but so, um, every dollar goes back into making sure that we can keep making this podcast. So please help us keep making this podcast. And um, by the time you're hearing this, the Scratches Kickstarter is over. So we either made it or we didn't. So yay if we made it. Darn it if we didn't. Uh, but thanks for the support there. Check out thescratchnews.com uh, to see what that's about. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.